Welcome to Brightly, you radiant being. Building off our dream episode, today we offer you a bright spot with a bright light. We're excited to interview our own personal dream specialist and my sister, Casey. Hi, Casey. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited we have a guest. Yes. And our first guest is somebody who earlier this year said the best thing to happen to her was her sister starting a podcast. We love you, Casey. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. Hi, Amy. Hi, Tracy. Yes. Hello. Hopefully, for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, in episode 46, Dreamy, we talked about uh, one of my favorite descriptions I've ever heard, hazy impressions of something profound. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise... Yeah, otherwise known as dreams. Uh, So some of the resources for that show that I included were actually materials from a course that Casey took a few years ago. And we wanted to have you on the show to share a little bit more about your experience of that class and what drew you to uh, studying dreams. Yeah, so when I was thinking about how I even found that class, it was all like, wait, that wasn't that long ago in life, but it seems like entirely many, many lifetimes ago at this point. Um, And I was like retracing all the steps that led there. And it incidentally wasn't even a part of my degree program. Like I was already graduated, but I had some scholarship money from doing the Reading Corps AmeriCorps program and the professor that I really liked from other courses I took was teaching it. And I was like, you know what, this would be really fun. I want to just put this kind of extra fun school money into something that I just care about for the sake of caring about it and not for credits or anything. So what led me to DreamWork was the professor and the title, because come on, the unconscious and DreamWork, like that's just really good stuff automatically I knew it would be great and I had taken a course that was about creativity with him like a psychology class and we had also done um, like a mythology and archetypes class and um, so I just really appreciated that professor and had the funds and so voila he sounds like a real renaissance man (laughs) mythology dreams creativity (laughs) Every best class at Metro State University, uh, Professor Tolovson teaches. And he's actually also a reverend. And he's been doing dream work and dream analysis for over 50 years. So, like, wow. He's so, is expert. he still there? I am not sure if he is there, like, throughout COVID and stuff. I haven't been in touch with him, but mm-hmm. I did go to a couple. He was hosting every once and again, there would be um, a community dream work class that he would do like open to the public. And so I went to a couple of those, but yeah, it's been a while that I haven't been in touch with him, but this is He's all like- teaching the nature of creativity this fall right now. And the unconscious he? dream work is in spring. <laughs> I, I, I mean, anybody could Google this man, but I'm actually doing an MBA at this program or in this yeah. school. And I just might be like, um, I think I need to. an elective. <laughs> you have to take that class. Okay. So that even just reminded me that I think the last time I saw him, he asked me to be a substitute teacher for his class. What? Valentine's Day of 2019. That's a very memorable time now. (laughs) Everything. So when the babies, my twin babies were born, 
May 2020. Like everything before that is just like the before times. Your own before times. Some other brain. Yeah. (laughs) But then when I tapped into it, yeah. So I I actually I got to teach that class for one night and I was just like putting on my I call him Rev Ted. Anyway, so I just put on my Rev Ted hat because he always wears a hat in class too. And so that's just like the space I stepped into. And so you guys calling me back into it was like, ooh, fun. Ooh. Let's, yeah, let's tap It's in. very fortuitous. So, okay, that. your final project and now his background makes so much more sense to me. Okay. So I alluded to it and then we just posted for a Tarot Tuesday on Instagram. But your final project for your th- this class, you tied in tarot cards in dream work how did he respond to that what was your grade do you get any feedback from him so he was very excited and I I he's definitely a teacher that calls out the best in every single student so I don't know if like his kind of appreciation for my project was any different than any other project but he it was very positive and encouraging and I think that actually is because of like the breadth of my project, it led him to ask me to come back because he knew how like deeply engaged with it I was. And I think he was excited too. I don't know if anyone in that class had married the tarot and dream work before. People had done so many wildly creative things for that. And he likes to include past work in like a little CD he gives to every student. And I tried to give it to Tracy, but she was like, I don't have a disk drive. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to 2021. <laughs> yeah, so he included my project in that. So whatever students are going to be there in the spring, maybe get to learn a little bit about tarot and dream work too. <laughs> so when you think about the class that you took specific, specifically related to dreams, what was your biggest takeaway? Like, did anything blow your mind or just when it comes to like how you dream now, what did you carry forward from that class? So I think my biggest takeaway was just kind of this sense of freedom or maybe even fluidity is a better word. I think it, it helped me have a different kind of relationship with my dream self. Like even being, being able to say the words like dream self and waking self, like that was a perspective shift. And so there was just kind of this like fluid gracefulness that he brought to the discussions that just like allowed you to see your dreams and in turn I think your mind and your experience and everything in in a more open way where there don't have there doesn't have to be like absolutes and like rigid concrete ways of thinking or analyzing um, it just, it opened doors wider, I think, for the way I just view, not even just my dreams, but just kind of waking experiences too, if that yeah, makes sense. I, I love that, uh, how you talked about the waking self and the dream self. It sounds so integrated, so that I think so many of us, it feels like, well, that's this other thing completely and not like, it's still me. It's just, it's my dream self. And I'm not sure that we're ever that specific about it or that we name it. So I really appreciate that. That's cool. Yeah. He, 
he opened that door. And I think in the community dream work sessions, it's like just that idea of like, there are no wrong answers. There is no wrong way to view your inner world. I think a lot of the times when people think of dreams, there are kind of like a couple solid camps of either like, this is all random and it's basically meaningless and kind of foolishness that maybe you don't want to associate. So you give yourself that distance, like dreams are just silly. Or there's like, you know, there are plenty of books and websites and studies that are really fine-tuned into what the symbols mean. And there's a direct link to everything and it's very structured thinking. And then there's kind of like this dance in between where there can be plenty of random things in your dreams. There can be plenty of meaningful things and they get to be together and that's okay. (laughs) One thing that I was thinking of when I re-listened to the episode today prior to our chat uh, is, do you think we'll ever have an answer to why we dream? It, what what this world is if it's concrete or not like did did you cover that in class or or not when kind of talking about dream research and things like that like with how technology changes with how our understanding of the brain or even just like you know the things the CIA released about some stuff they've been doing for 30 years that's a really fun question because one of my favorite parts about dreams and dream analysis and unconscious is that we don't know it is such a like just void of (laughs) of knowing for certain and I love that it is just a space of curiosity where scientists can't say for sure the exact function of dreams and the exact process that's happening and why and of course I think we'll get there. I think we'll figure it out. I don't know like what time frame that will be in, but I love right now that we're in the unknowing mm-hmm. time of it still. And that's like this very happy place to be in where it's just a, a, a comfortable curiosity that mm-hmm. I really appreciate about dreams right now. And so maybe in my kids' lifetimes or after that, whatever, it, it the magic and the mystery might be kind of thrown out the window. And <laughs> right now we can still have that. <laughs> you know, I agree. Oh, go oh, ahead. Go for it. Well, I was just going to say, because I was re-listening to the episode as well. And we were talking about how it is magic. You go to sleep, you have like these adventures, right? Yeah. That is pure magic. And there is something... I love what you said, the comfort, comfortable curiosity or comforting curiosity around it. And the fact that it is kind of ambiguous, that you're not sure. But there's also another part of it that I love that you get to decide what Mm -hmm. you think it was about or if you want to um, have any kind, have it have any kind of weight on on your day to day, right? I love the magic about it as well. You go for it now, Tracy. <laughs> I mean, that, that comforting curiosity also piqued, uh, piqued my interest as well. I, I love that phrase. I was thinking two different things. So one, it's like one of the few uh, things we haven't fully explored yeah. yet. And I feel like so much of our lives, it feels like everything's already been explored and identified and labeled. 
Um, but I feel like even, even if they do name why we dream, there's still this lack of concreteness. And Amy, I like that you called it magic, mm-hmm. that there's still like that fluidity to it, um, that it's still very personal. But at the same time, you know, I go back to that Billie Eilish quote from, from the episode of when we all fall asleep, where do we go? And one of the things I don't think I articulated in the, in the uh, full episode is that quote makes me feel like we all go to the same place together, right? Like there's like this other plane that the dream world or dream selves live on that the dreamers are in. And it's kind of interesting to, to think about, you know, if science catches up, if we can, you know, go and visit other people's dreams intentionally with consent, with consent, <laughs> let's see <laughs> what all those worlds look like. And then it all just makes me think of that television show Fringe. I mean, I know they did a lot of drugs and a lot of science intersecting with each other, but um, the fact that there is those fringe sciences out there that look at this stuff just in the in an out of the box way is really exciting. So I'm super curious, Casey, do you like, do you have a dream journal? One and two, how actively are you trying to remember your dreams and or when you wake up are you like hmm what did that mean and then you kind of delve into it and to that if you have been (laughs) tracking how have your dreams changed since giving birth to the babies I know that they're not your first children but they're like it was it's been many moons since you you had your first (laughs) my most recent births um (laughs) So I actually have so many dream journals. It's ridiculous. And I (laughs) lose track of like, which one is like my current dream journal. And I wanted to show you guys this one because Tracy mentioned um, somebody who sketches and draws their dreams. Yeah. this, This is a guided book that has a big sketch space. And I, that never occurred to me before this book. Like I, it, and as kind of like a visual artist inclined person, um, dreams always feel more like movies to me. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't occur to me to just like make a still image. But there are there are enough things to kind of pick out that I, I did find that fun to incorporate. Well, and your professor described it too as your thinking brain and your picture brain, right? Is is that the two ways? Oh. Um because Amy, I, I think can't you even separate them. It, right. That's what you said. And you said, I need my coffee first. Um, and, and I like the idea as an overthinker and an overanalyzer of just staying in that moving picture first for a bit and maybe yeah. trying to draw it before I try and think about it and add yeah. words to it. Yeah. And for me, yeah, if I'm really trying to recall a dream, like I have to shut my eyes and stay still and just kind of be in that I'm in bed space because as soon as I start like moving or doing something else, it's so fleeting, but like closing my eyes really can keep the movie playing. Um, And so then sketching it kind of helps just like freeze the movie. If you just had to open your eyes and start the day. Um, That's what I found that I I think I remembered dreams more when I, I drew a portion of them because then I could recall like the scenes around it too. But lately I have not been recalling my dreams very well. I've actually been more preoccupied, um, well, with not sleeping a lot, but also (laughs) with asking Gabe what his dreams are. So my son, my oldest, he's eight, and 
in the morning when we're like changing the baby's diapers and getting them ready to bring Gabe to school, we ask them like, what did you dream about? And, you know, they're just kind of gibberishy babbling back <laughs> at us. But then every now and then like Gabe will have a really good one. And his are so good that like, I don't even need to remember my own because I can just live vicariously <laughs> through his way better dreams. And like, they're so vivid and walking in someone else's movie is super cool to me too. Because when you were even saying that, I remember that Billie Eilish quote that for, or song lyric. Yeah. And I was almost thinking like, could you dream someone else's dream? Like if we don't all go to the same place, like, what, what would that be like? Like, tapping into someone else's dream. And tonight, <laughs> Gabe even said, I wonder what the babies dream about. I bet it's all, like, full of sausages and tipping stuff <laughs> over. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I would suspect it's a lot of his face. Uh, but if he wants to think it's it's there it's the the grub that they're excited about that's That's what I said I was like I think it's all of our faces a lot probably and then he added like and running into the road because they they do want to do that but (laughs) so I mean I'm five years older than you and I don't remember any of us sisters ever talking about dreams, whether with each other or with parents. I nannied. I've worked with five to 10 year olds. I trained to be a substitute teacher. It was very infrequent for kids to share their dreams. So I think it's really special that you already have a son that's like, listen up. (laughs) Does he, do you do? Don't you think that's because Casey says, what did you dream about or has asked him that repeatedly? Possibly. Yeah. What do you think? I think that has to do with it because he knows I'm interested in it. And so it's a safe thing to share and I'll, I'll share mine back too. And in just as much detail as I can to him as well, um, as long as they're like appropriate, of course. But um, I think growing up, the only parts I really remembered talking about dreams were nightmares mm-hmm. Like bad nightmares were what you talked about. And like, otherwise it was just kind of like me, nothing, nothing to consider. So do you do any of the community dream work stuff with him a little unknowingly? Like, do you try and interpret him, interpret his dreams or get him to assign meetings or talk about it or think about it in that way? I kind of let him steer the ship on those conversations. And sometimes I, I will ask him to say it again. So that's the tell it twice, okay. the, the repetition. And so he'll yeah. he'll go with me on that. And even tonight, I think it was like the fifth time I had him tell me this one specific dream. And I'll often write his down too, because I just want to remember them in the future. And it's, it's fun. Like the thing I like about cataloging dreams is they are these very secret windows into times of your life where when I flip back in my dream journal or Gabe's dream journal, and it'll be something where I might not remember writing that down or really even having that. But after going through it, it's like, whoa, I, I feel like I'm in that time and place again. It's almost like listening to a song that you had on repeat. It's, it's still that that hazy remembrance or however you described at the beginning, but it, it's such a thing that it's almost like this extra sense, like, like how smells really 
draw people to memories. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's how it's the kind of like function. I use my Instagram as like uh, visual journaling. Like too, I just yeah. have to see a picture of a day and I can tell you what everybody wore, what everybody said, even if none of that was in the photo, like it brings me back to that entire day. And when preparing for the dream episode in this one, you know, I haven't really, I know I dream every night, but I can't really, I wake up and I, nada, there's nothing. And I wake up a lot, you know me. Uh, And, but I do have like this top 10 that I could from the past 15 years where I could go back and tell you everything about it. And I've never written it down once, but it's like, I'm in the dream again. And so I like that idea of starting to write it down and having that catalog, not just a dream journal, but a catalog of dreams is such an interesting way to look at it. So what are some ways, um, like if somebody's interested in learning more about dreams, what recommendations do you have? I think my main recommendation is write it down. Like, I think just the practice of waking up and even typing in your phone notes or just having like a post-it and writing down a couple keywords, the practice of recalling your dream through writing it from experience helps you remember them more. And there's just something that I've found to be delightful about the times of my life where I was really aware of dream self and that might be like the, the word Amy used earlier, like an integration. I think having that connection between, it's, it's kind of like connecting inner world to outer world, like knowing dream self and waking self are aware of each other. Um, yeah, it brings like this different wholeness that when, when you're not paying attention to your dreams or if you're plagued by dreams and just brushing them off or, you know, like, I, I think a big thing that came out in a lot of my, the dream work I've been in is people have messed up dreams and not talking about it or not writing it down, I think creates like blocks that we're not very aware of or concerned about. And so even if your journal is the only place that knows like a little bit about it, mm-hmm. it, it helps shift things. Wow. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. So say I start writing them down and, um, then what do I do with them? If I'm interested in figuring out what they are, and instead of cobbling together, sees a cat in a dream, sees a leaf in a dream, and you're trying to like connect the dots with that, how do you actually come start interpreting dreams or, come up with a narrative for your dreams. Oh, I like that narrative. Yes. Cause they, they, they have a narrative and it, yeah. it can take like that deciphering eye to kind of get more close to it. But I think it's easy to get hung up on connecting specific symbols or mm-hmm. um, maybe relating it very heavily, like trying to pull dream imagery into waking life imagery. And I think giving yourself permission to kind of loosen that rein um, and, and play with it in a different way. So that's something that Rev Ted or Professor Tolifson helped <laughs> us with was this, I think part of his teachings use the terms like 
provocative questioning or um, there's a way to turn the question he'd say or use like dream imagery in a different way where you just do a mental game where you become the symbol in your dream instead of trying to attach this symbol to your waking life and figure out exactly what it might mean maybe just insert yourself into the dream as that symbol or have a conversation with characters in your dream and that's something you could do in your journal or your mind or out loud before bed um just figuring out a different way to relate with the dream that might not use all of your analytical logical brain um painting it like Jung has tons of work of like painting or sculpting or just interacting with the dream in a way that was artistic. Um, I think giving the dream too much pressure in a waking mind kind of way kills a little bit of that magic. Wow. I have to say, because I've done, uh, well, I haven't done a lot of dream work, but I mean, I've paid attention to my dreams for a very long time. That's dream work for me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But the way you've just described it as like interviewing a symbol in your dream or thinking of yourself as that symbol. And of course you can't analyze something that has nothing to do with the analytical side of your brain. That makes so much sense. I don't know why I didn't think about that earlier. Because we don't talk about this. That's why. (laughs) I I also love, you know, you said to interview the symbol in the dream, but when you think about it, like what's happening in the dream, it's not happening to you. It is you. Like you are all the pieces in that dream. Ooh. (laughs) Okay. I like that. Keep going. I don't want to be the dying dog. Okay. (laughs) You also but don't want the devil card, but sometimes yeah, we yeah. get it. Amy, <laughs> and maybe in dream world, it's more of the Buddhist philosophy and you are then reborn as a different part of the symbol of yes, your dream. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Yeah, you can't die in dreams, right? That's what they say. You wake up. So if you are the dying dog, don't worry. You're just, you're gonna wake up. Yeah. So Casey, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm wondering if in under five minutes, do you think you could do like a community dream work session if Amy's game with one of her more recent dreams? Let's try it. Yes. All right. Are you game? Yeah. So what I will ask is that we all take a couple cleansing breaths first. And if you're comfortable to close your eyes, plant your feet on the floor, breathe in through your nostrils and then slowly exhale out your mouth. Do just a couple like that in your own pace. And then for everyone listening, if you'd like to keep your eyes closed while you receive Amy's dream, she's going to tell it in the first person as if it's happening right now. I'm in a cellar. And it's not completely dark, but it is a little bit gray. I start to walk up these slate stairs and I notice the slate is brown and my foot hits on the second stair and the slate kind of shifts as if the mortar is loose. And at that moment, I think to myself, 
this is a dream, but this feels way too real. Is this a dream? Because the sensation, I could feel the sensation, I could hear the slate moving on the other, on like the concrete, the cement. And as I am thinking that, I turn and to my right, down deeper into the cellar or basement, this thing pops out and it is a I don't know if it was a person or a thing and it's completely burned, but it it pops out and like kind of opens its mouth at me. Not, I'm not horribly afraid, but I'm a little afraid, but I stamp my foot and I just say no. And then it disappears. And then I go back down the stairs and then suddenly there is, not suddenly, it's slowly, this steam smoke starts coming up from this vent along the seam of the wall and the floor. And once again, it's not that I'm horribly frightened, but I don't like it. And I stamp my foot again and I say no. And then I turn the corner And there's a dragon (laughs) and it's not huge. It's a manageable size dragon. (laughs) And I stamp my foot again and I'm like, no. And then I wake up. Okay. Tell it again. I'm in a cellar or a basement And I start to walk up these stairs. They're made of slate. And I can see the brown of the stone and the the mortar in between the stones. And my foot hits the second stair and the slate shifts. And I can hear the sound of that stone on the mortar. And my foot feels... Like I feel it. And at that moment, I think to myself, this is a dream, but this is feels too real. Is this real? And then I turn and look to my right. And this being comes out at me who's completely burned. And they open their mouth at me and their mouth is wide gaping. And I'm frightened, but not horribly frightened, but I stamp my foot and I say no, and it disappears. And then I walk back down the stairs and then this steam or smoke just starts to curl out of this vent, uh, a vent that's close to the floor. And once again, I don't like it. I'm not horribly afraid, but I don't like it. And I stamp my foot again and I say no. And that disappears. And then I go around the corner and there's a dragon. And it's not a huge dragon, but it's a dragon. And I stamp my foot a third time and say no. And then I wake up. Thank you. That's in my mind of walking through that dream with you. 
That's incredibly vivid. And things to me that are almost frightening in a dream become like so much more frightening. Did you feel bravery and courage in this dream? I think I think I must have because for me to just stamp my foot and then yell out no is um uh that's not my MO. So um in my dream self or my waking self. Okay. So a couple of things that I was thinking about while you told it were, where do you need to trust yourself and your listening in your life, in, in waking Amy life? And where in Amy's life do you feel like what's concretely real is what's right. Like, are you? <laughs> Excuse, I know you can't, it's, it's not great on a podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Amy's mind be exploding. It's just being blown right now. <laughs> so I hate to cut us short for time, but unfortunately we use a free service and it will turn this off at 40 minutes. Amy, how did that feel to do that? I knew that you asked people to say their dream more than once, but yet I was still surprised when you said, tell it again. And I was like, oh, I have to tell it again. But that sort of just cemented it. And I hate to keep using the word cement, but it's like it just grounded it in me. And um, and it felt as if I was more in control than being able to tell it. It's like, oh, I'm waking self is in control right now. And that's good. Yeah. And the things that were important to you about it are the things that stuck around the second time, which is why I like that. Tell it twice. Yeah. Cause sometimes I try to be humorous. Not just you. (laughs) It's just like your recall does that. So it's Mm -hmm. a a cool way to call out the little important gems. Yeah. You will. Thank well, that you, was Casey. fun to witness. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Amy, for sharing. And thank you to listener for joining us for this bright spot. If you have someone you'd like us to shine a light on, please reach out to us via email at brightlypodcast at gmail.com or via Instagram at the brightly podcast. And with that, Casey, do you want to send, send us off? Yeah. Have a bright and beautiful day, everyone. And sweet dreams. <laughs> I love it. Nighty night. <laughs>